Lecture topic. Life of Abdullah ibn Mubarak. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi ladhin astafa. Amma ba'du fa'audu billahi minash shaytanir rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. من المؤمنين رجال صدقوا ما عاهدوا الله عليه فمنهم من قضى نحبه ومنهم من ينتظر وما بدلوا تبديلا قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم المرء على دين خليله فلينظر أحدكم من يخالل أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم موسیقی Who are these people who Allah Ta'ala has favored? In another ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, Allah Ta'ala explains that Sirat al-Ladheena an'amta alayhim minan nabiyyeen wa siddiqeen wa shuhadai wa salihin The path of those who Allah Ta'ala has favored, meaning the nabiyyeen, Anbiya alayhi salatu wa salam Anbiya alayhi salatu wa salam, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was the last and final nabi of Allah Ta'ala No nabi to come after him But the siddiqeen, the shuhada and the salihin Allah Ta'ala says the path of these people also because they will be following the path of the Anbiya Alimu Salatu Wasalaam and the path of Rasulullah Salaam in particular obviously so their path will be followed and such people will continue to Qiyamah so in every rakat of every Salah we are asking Allah Ta'ala to guide us on the path of people such people who are rightly guided such people who are people of the true knowledge of the Quran and Sunnah otherwise the obvious thing is that the path that we are asking for is the path of the Quran and Sunnah but we will learn the correct understanding of the Quran and Sunnah through people through such people who have learnt it through people all the way in the unbroken chain up to Rasulullah so this is the principle that Allah Ta'ala has established for us this is the prescription this is the path that we want to reach Jannah safely and this is how we will have to traverse this path and this is the way that even the things of dunya continue that a person wants to do something he goes to the experts he wants to build something he goes to the experts some architect some engineer puts a professional team together he doesn't google something to find out okay how to go about it he has a health issue, he goes to a doctor that doesn't seem to sort his problem out, he looks for a specialist. He doesn't google it, and I'll do it on my own. So this is how it always has been the case, 
the people refer to the specialists in deen and they learn to deal in this way. So therefore we have to always be looking out for these personalities whom Allah Ta'ala has favored and learning our deen from them and also looking back in time towards all these special personalities who Allah Ta'ala had blessed with that deep knowledge of deen and not only the knowledge but together with that the true application of that knowledge Allah Ta'ala blessed them with that piety this looking back in time towards these personalities also helps us to get our direction Hazrat Junaid Baghdadi it is his statement that Al-Hikayat Jundum Min Junoodillah that these Hikayat incidents, incidents obviously of the pious, of the righteous these are among the armies of the armies of Allah Ta'ala among the armies of Allah Ta'ala these incidents what kind of an army is an incident? So what is the function of an army? What does an army do? The army conquers. The army runs into a place, it conquers it. This is what is being referred to here. That these hikayat and incidents of the fires are an army that conquers the heart. When a person sincerely reads them, listens to them, it conquers the heart by inspiring the heart to also emulate them. It conquers the heart that a person now, whatever things were lurking in the heart, but with the barakat of this understanding of the incidence of the pious, it gives him a new light that I should be also going in this direction. So in that light is the reason why these personalities are discussed, different personalities from time to time, that inshallah with the barakat of this discussion Allah Ta'ala make it such that we become inspired to follow in their footsteps and just as they led a very illustrious life and lived in the manner that Allah Ta'ala is pleased with Allah Ta'ala bless us also with that same tawfiq that we also live such a life that the time when the time comes for us to leave this dunya that we are also being given that announcement Ya ayyutuhan nafsul mutma'inna ارجعي إلى ربك راضية مرضية فادخلي في عبادي وادخلي جنتي that declaration of the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala for us may Allah Ta'ala grant us that among these very great personalities that have passed the personality that we will be discussing tonight is Abdullah bin Mubarak Rahmatullah Alayh one of the very very great sons of Islam and whose excellence, all the remarkable qualities that Allah Ta'ala addressed him and all the expertise that was in him very few in the era after the Sahaba Ikram and after the Tabi'in very few were endowed with so many things in one person he was a very great personality and inshallah in the short discussion that we will have obviously we can only just barely get a glimpse and we are just going to pick on a few incidents here and there which inshallah becomes the means of us, us gaining some insight and also getting some inspiration to follow but nevertheless we will get some kind of idea of what a personality he was in order to understand who he was one incident that happened in his lifetime where some great people of the time Fadl bin Musa and various others they gathered together so they were probably sitting together like it happens sometimes over some work or whatever people gather 
So suddenly they thought about it, let's, maybe something came up in the discussion, let us enumerate, let us count the virtues of Abdullah bin Mubarak rahmatullahi What is this person? Who is he? Everybody knows something about him. In other words, they are obviously very well aware of his personality, but let us see how much we know about him. Who is he? While we are on that note of who is he, this is also part of this, the purpose of these discussions, that we have to pause and reflect upon ourselves also. Now for example, this question, they are sitting together, or they sat together, and now they ask the question to one another that, let us put together now, what are the virtues of Abdullah bin Mubarak rahmatullahi what are his qualities? So let us think about ourselves also. If those who know us very well, one is mashallah the way we might be portraying ourselves among people in certain circles, but those who know the ins and outs of us, and more often than not it is those within the four walls of our home. If they have to sit together and really truly speak out, that what do we know about maybe our father, our brother, our son, our this relative, or this person we work with, or this person who we interact with so often and we know him so well, what do we know about him? So, we can probably already in our minds write down what probably will be spoken about us. Allah knows best what will be spoken, inshallah everything good. But sometimes it is also a very very sad situation of what, what might be written, or what might be spoken. Sometimes the kind of situations keep coming up. Somebody might say that, well, this husband of mine, somebody, something else, he was somebody that used to burn the midnight oil. Burn the midnight oil. So, mashallah, that's a wonderful thing, burn the midnight oil, that used to be a wonderful thing. But now not so much that we can always just go by it as a wonderful thing. Say, what do you mean by burning the midnight oil? He says, no, he's sitting late at night watching all filth on his phone. That's the burning of the midnight oil. And what not is then said when issues come up and sometimes there's some mediation to attend to and whatever else. So these are the things that are what we have to take note of that we have to start deleting all this out of our files. Because once life is gone, then it's still stuck there. Then it will come out of the day of Qiyamah also. And then a person will be beholded Mali Hadal Kitab لا يغادر صغيرته ولا كبيرة إلا أحصاها. What is the matter with this book of deeds? It hasn't left a single thing. Everything is here. But we have the opportunity of deleting now with sincere toba and rectifying our lives, coming back onto track. Nevertheless, that's just a point in passing. So these people got together, and now they're asking one another, "What do we know about him?" So somebody said, "Well." He's an alim of a very high caliber. Now we're talking about what they are talking, these are already people of a high caliber themselves. So everything they're talking about is on the level of what we may call like past the specialist level in all these particular aspects. Or in our terms, we'll say past the professor level. But he says he's an alim of a very high repute, very high caliber. So he's not just that, he's a faqih. He's a jurist. Jurist of Somebody, one among thousands maybe. Somebody else says he's a muhaddith. And what a muhaddith? Open Bukhari Sharif. You'll find his riwayat and his narrations of hadith. 
repeatedly in Bukhari Sharif. He is the Ustad of the Ustad of Imam Bukhari Rahmatullah. The teacher of the teacher of Imam Bukhari Rahmatullah. And so many other muhaddithin. You'll find their books of hadith filled with his narrations. So he's a muhaddith of a very high caliber. Then, together with that, somebody says, but what a abid and zahid he is. Not just somebody only with knowledge, but what a pious person he is. His piety also is on an outstanding level. And a zahid, somebody who is abstinent from the world. He is not engrossed in dunya. He might have the world in his hands, but you can clearly see that this person got nothing in his heart. The zahid of a very high caliber, as you will understand from some of his incidents. Now, some of these things are being mentioned, many other things. In the midst of all this, somebody says, you won't find somebody like him, who can keep quiet from things that don't concern him. Sarkul kalam fi ani. Somebody who will keep quiet when something doesn't concern him. Not like how we would sometimes conduct ourselves. You would be part of everything that doesn't concern us. And we will have some comment about anything and everything, which doesn't bother us in any way. But he was a person who if something didn't concern him, he stayed out of it. Then together with that somebody says that you haven't found a person like him in having the least amount of differences with his companions. He deals with them in such a way and he interacts with everybody around him in such a way that there's hardly ever a difference between them, a dispute of any sort between them. But then as far as differences on an academic level, this will happen. Since you haven't found somebody who can maintain muhabbat and love more than him despite differences. That despite there might be some academic difference, whatever, but how he can still maintain the muhabbat and the friendship and the bond, you will hardly find anybody like that. Now this is the kind of personality he was, that a group of people get together and they are now enumerating his qualities, his greatness, etc. And everybody has something to say, and everybody has something to say which is of that, that level. That he is a specialist in all this. He is way beyond the ordinary in all these things. On the one side is his knowledge, his piety, his practice. Then even things like his generosity was mentioned, his expertise on the Arabic language, and the, the line just goes on, line after line, of all the things that were mentioned. This is the caliber of person that we are discussing today. In any case, just to a little bit of his history, he was born in 118 after Hijri. So he was born in the golden era. This was shortly after the time of the Sahaba Ikram. And many of the very great Tabi'een were present in that time. So he was born in this golden era, 118 after Hijri. His father was Mubarak, Abdullah bin Mubarak, his father was Mubarak. He was a slave. Islam is for everybody and there is no obstacle from anybody excelling in deen and gaining the highest levels. His father was a slave, but where Allah Ta'ala took that son to? He was a slave in the tending to the orchard of his master and he used to live in that orchard and for years he was there. One day the master came, he said bring on pomegranates. He brought one pomegranate of the tree and 
cut it, squeeze it out for the juice. It was sour. Master said, this is sour, bring another one. Brought another one from a different tree. That was also sour. Then he got a bit irritated. He said, well, bring something sweet. He went to the third tree, brought another one. That turned out to be sour as well. So now he was upset. Don't you know where's the sweet pomegranate? He said, no, I don't know. What do you, do you mean you don't know? You are tending to this orchard for so long, for years, and you don't know where's the sweet pomegranate? Yes, I don't know. How come you don't know? So I've never tasted it. You never tasted it? Person working in orchard, and in orchard, that fruit is bound to fall sometimes also. And if it's not falling, somebody will make it fall. And you haven't tasted anything yet? He says, you never gave me permission to taste the fruit. You only asked me to look after the orchard. Your instruction was I must look after the orchard. That was where it finishes off. So I had no permission to taste the fruit. I have never tasted one fruit of this orchard to date. Now that was the taqwa of that father. And that taqwa rubbed off. So many a times we have to look back at ourselves also. We have many a complaint sometimes about what follows. Very often we have to look at ourselves also. That's not the only issue. There are many things that can affect something. But sometimes we have to introspect. What is my own situation? How am I conducting myself? What kind of example am I setting? Because that is what's going to rub off on those who will come after us. Any case coming to his early life, unfortunately, then in terms of his father Mubarak when this master heard this, he was very impressed. And then the narrators mentioned there was a separate incident that happened also. One of the days that master came and he's speaking to his own slave because he saw this person has something else in him. So he asked him a question. I have a daughter who's marriageable age. Who is the best person, meaning what kind of person should I get my daughter married to? So then Mubarak now is being asked for this mashwara. So the mashwara he gave and what he explained was something very straightforward. He gave the best mashwara that he could think of. What he said was that in the times of Jahiliya, the only thing people were concerned about was lineage. That was the main thing. That was the basis on which they would make the decision. Very high lineage, that's a choice. Then everything else doesn't matter. And the Jews, everything is money for them. As long as the money is there, that's the basis for the decision. And other than that, doesn't matter. The Nasara, beauty is all. See, but all these things are perishable and doesn't really make too much of a difference in anything. What is really of concern in Islam and for a Muslim is the primary thing is deen. Then a person together with the deen of a person will see whatever is necessary, but not at the expense of deen. He heard this also, he was really now impressed with this answer. He came back home and he said to his wife, if there's anybody we will get our daughter married to, he's the same slave. Because he has the right qualities. He didn't make dunya his basis. That now first let's see what is his worth. And how many figures is worth. What, what is the worth within him? What is the value inside him? Because if the value inside is there, then that will make everything valuable. But otherwise, if inside the values are missing, the external value in the hands will become a musibat. But if that value is inside, this too will become worthwhile. 
So he made the basis of his decision on that. That this person has values. He might be a slave, he got no external value, but his inside is worth more than gold. And on that basis he made the decision and got his daughter married to Mubarak That marriage became the means of this child coming into the world. Abdullah Mubarak In any case, his early life, just to touch on one part of his early life, sometimes it happens, after all the efforts, sometimes some wrong company, whatever else can cause some kind of somebody going off the track. So in his young days, he got caught up with some friends and in a different lifestyle, in some kind of vices. And then it would be the harvesting season, the orchards, the fruit is all ready for harvesting. He would invite his friends and be sitting and merry-making and involved in intoxicants and whatever else. But sometimes it is the some good, somebody has done something in his life. Sometimes it is a good somebody before him has done. The barakat of that comes along. Allah Ta'ala's Nizam and his system Allah alone knows. But sometimes hidayat can come in very uh, strange ways. One of the nights he's sitting with all his friends and they busy with the singing and merrymaking and intoxicants and they drank so much they got drunk. And in that he also fell asleep. Now he was an expert at some kind of musical instrument. Like a guitar or whatever it might have been. And with that in his hand he fell asleep. Close towards Surah Sadiq time his eyes opened. Now in that drunken state he had fallen asleep and now his eyes opened with this thing still in his hand. So he decided to start playing it again. Now as he's playing it he's not getting the right tune. So now he's adjusting those strings somehow or whatever to get the right tune. And he's hearing something and he's trying to play it but he's not coming right. And trying one time, two times, three times. And then suddenly out of the same instrument as he's trying to play it, Here's the ayat of the Qur'an Sharif being recited. أَلَمْ يَأْنِ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَن تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ وَمَا نَزَلَ مِنَ الْحَقِّ It has a time not yet come for the believers that their hearts should become humble. أَن تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ That their hearts should become humble for the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. And for that haq and truth which Allah Ta'ala has revealed. In other words, the Qur'an Sharif is now talking to him. How long are you going to carry on like this? Isn't it now time that you made a U-turn? Isn't it time you came back to Allah Ta'ala? And these are those moments of hidayat. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Salaam says that إِنَّ لِلَّهِ تَعَالَى نَفَحَاتٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ فَتَعَرَّدُوا لَهَا That there are those special rays of mercy from the side of Allah Ta'ala that come down from time to time on earth. It's like something that comes in a moment. As we call sometimes the moment of acceptance. Says Qabul Yati Gari. Nabi Sahasun says for the Arradu Laha, be ready for it. You don't know when it comes. And if you just latch on to that moment, you got it. And you missed it, you lost it. Now when that moment came, he didn't hesitate. He immediately responded, Bala Ya Rabbi. Bala Ya Rabbi, indeed my Rabbi, the time has come. The time has come, he immediately broke that instrument. And then he woke up and spilt all that wine that was there, everything spilt it. And then went away from there and made sincere toba. And that was the last time in his life that he ever turned to these things again. 
But he latched onto that moment when that hidayat was there. That moment of acceptance. This is also something again for us to pause. Ask ourselves the same question. أَلَمْ يَعْنِ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَن تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ has that time not come for us now to start making a U-turn in our lives? For me to look within my life, for us to look in our lives, all the things that are there that shouldn't be there, all the things that are missing that should be there. Isn't it now time that we start making that effort to bring the right things in our lives, clear our lives out of all the things that Allah Ta'ala is displeased with? Now, these things come from time to time. Sometimes it might come in the middle of a night, one thought will cross the mind, but how long will we carry on like this? Sometimes it might happen in the mid- middle of the day. Sometimes it might happen while a person is perhaps sitting in the talim. Sometimes it might happen in some other moment. These are not moments to be lost. And right now might be the moment, who knows? It is a time to respond to the call of Allah wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, I am making a firm decision in my heart that I have made toba from all the past. And I am now resolving to move forward in a way that is pleasing to you. So in any case, this is how he then moved forward. And then he dedicated himself to acquiring the ilm and ibadat. He started off acquiring ilm, meaning basic ilm, at the age of 20. But that didn't deter him. I'm already 20 years old now, I'm going to start learning basics. Whatever happened, he didn't get the chance before. Something didn't happen, or he forgot it. He started his quest for ilm at that age. And he continued late in life. This is never too late to learn din. We perhaps might have learned something previously and forgot our basic messiah. We go back to the Ulama Please teach me. I need to learn. Make sure I have learned correct or I remember correctly. The, my salah is incorrect. Let me demonstrate how I am performing my salah. Please check me. The messiah of wudu, ghusl, my Quran Sharif, the recitation of it is never too late. And it's very simple. We ask for somebody for five minutes a day. At five minutes a day to add up to a lot. More the better. Five minutes a day. And if not five minutes every day, five minutes every second day. But inshallah we will learn great amount of deen and we'll bring our lives according to the Quran and Sunnah and inshallah we'll be able to move forward in life, make our dunya, make our akhirat most importantly. In any case now he continued on this journey of ilm and he excelled to such a point that in time he began to receive this title of Amirul Mu'mineen fil Hadith. In other words, of all the muhaddithin of the time, he became among those who were of the most outstanding caliber. Amirul Mu'mineen fil Hadith. This became like his title. Can you imagine to what extent he excelled? Once somebody asked him a question, he used to now be so absorbed in his learning and studying deen and studying the hadith of Rasulullah so in order to be able to acquire this sometimes for long periods you would be just in solitude, just engrossed in his studying. So one day somebody asked him the question that you stay alone so long, just you coming out, you performing salah and you're back inside and you're just engrossed in your work and studies, don't you get lonely? This is often our problem. So now I got bored, so now because I got bored now so I was looking for something to entertain myself. Something to occupy myself. So now what I start occupying myself, so the person says, well, he started off now occupying himself with something, well, wherever he started off from, and very soon he was occupying himself with the worst filth. Why? Because he was bored. So this boredom, 
somebody asking, don't you feel lonely? He said, lonely? How can I feel lonely? When I'm in the company of Rasulullah in the Sahaba Ikram. What do you mean you in the company of Nabi Nabi Salaam has left dunya. He says, I'm all the time in the hadith. And I'm in the company of the Mubarak words of Rasulullah And the words of the Sahaba Ikram. And their narrations. When I'm in that company, how can I be bored? When I'm in that company, how can I be lonely? Allah Ta'ala has blessed us also with that company in the form of the words of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the ahadith, the books of hadith, the fadail amal fadail sadaqat and then the various writings of the ulama kiram and their discourses is so much available of what is authentic and that is always the first thing that we should be making sure after taking advice and consulting that what we are picking up to read, what we are listening to is authentic but when a person has so much, how can he be bored? Bored to the point of being driven to haram, na'uzubillah. So, this boredom is just shaitan. We have to keep ourselves in the right company. Unfortunately, what is our company? This is the company that he was in. Allah forbid, a person is spending his night sometimes in the worst of company, the most immoral company on earth. The most immoral company on earth, the person is spending his night in. What is going to be the effect of this company? And that is why in some states of America, this debate has started. It's come to the, on the government level. This debate has started that some are putting it in parliament that we have to declare pornography as a health crisis. They're talking about it on their level. Their level doesn't even start off, doesn't even come to the surface of where the Hayah of Islam starts. Their level is way beyond the surface of the Haya Islam is thought. At that ground level or below ground level, they are already now in a state of shock. And they are now perturbed. What is this doing? What kind of havoc is creating? What kind of social uh, turmoil is causing? At that ground level and below ground level they are shocked. The surface of the level of Haya that Islam teaches is way beyond that. The reality of the Haya Islam is given is it's a skyscraper. If we had been there, we would understand the filth of it. So in any case, this is the company that he kept, we have to come in that same company. Then we will get the taste of life, we will get the enjoyment of this deen Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with. Taking it further, as he then moved on in life, he became, mashallah, a person who people looked up to in life. One of the great personalities of the time again, Aswad bin Salim Rahmatullahi. He once made a comment and he said that regarding Abdullah Mubarak Rahmatullahi Kana Ibn al-Mubarak Imaman Yuqtadabihi Ibn al-Mubarak Rahmatullahi He was a person really worthy of emulating Somebody to be followed And then he explained why Kana min asbatin nasi fi sunnah He was the most committed of people to the sunnah of Rasulullah Now this is the lesson that is in it Imam Abdullah Anbar why was he the most worthy of being followed in his time because he was the person most committed to the sunnah sometimes you will hear some mashallah very very eloquent oratory but the person is far away from the sunnah is that person worthy of emulation is that person somebody to take deen from because something can be said in a very eloquent manner is that the only criteria and basis for taking deen 
once somebody employed someone he got little bit caught up with the person's beautiful voice the person was singing something maybe maybe he sang one nazam somewhere or whatever and mashallah he heard the voice and he employed the person to do the job for him whatever the work was now that person just couldn't handle the job and he is making a mess of it so now this carried on now everybody in that place is getting a little bit irritated and frustrated so finally one person spoke up to the employer you see, you see your problem is that you heard the sound of the hooter you bought the car you heard this person singing very well or whatever very melodious voice you thought he'll be able to be, do anything very, very well the voice is one thing when it comes to the work is something else so likewise somebody can speak very well he might be a very good orator does that mean that he is somebody that we should be taking deen from not anyone and everyone we have to be very conscious about where we take our deen from otherwise Allah forbid we could be taking something which we think is deen but is not deen but it is a distortion there is a lot of quotations in it but the quotations are being misquoted are being distorted the explanation of the quotation is a distortion so in any case this was the person that he was that he became known as somebody who was a true leader in deen and people emulated him among his unique things he had programmed his life which unfortunately we don't do it should be a program of our day it should be a program of our life we have a program but that program is far from what the program should be our program is work whatever other job, business, whatever it might be then eat, sleep, entertain ourselves in between it well salah has to come also and then something else also maybe but our program is that we program our deen around our dunya so if the deen happens it happens it gets something else comes in the way then the salah will get delayed it might become qaza also something else will happen no our life has to be programmed where dunya gets programmed around deen then deen will never get compromised and dunya will fulfill whatever the needs of dunya as well but not at the expense of deen so he programmed his life but he had a very unique program one year he would go for hajj the hajj of that time wasn't you jump on the flight and you reached and you came back it would take a few months to get there one, two, one and a half, two months to get there at least from where he was and then you'll perform the hajj, you'll be there for a period of time and then take another one and a half, two months to get back so approximately five to six months would go in the hajj so one year he would perform hajj and the other year he would be in jihad and he would go and volunteer himself right at the border, at the frontiers where the greatest danger lies and where the first attack would happen and there's always some skirmishes and whatever and he would be volunteering his time there for several months of the year half the year he's there so one year in hajj, one year in jihad so now he would go for hajj so many people want to join him so he had a very unique hajj package mashallah people are already looking at the hajj packages and which is the best package to take Abdullah Mubarak rahmatullah was living in this time and age then no other package will work his unique hajj package people would come to him they would say to him that you going for hajj I want to join you he very well no problem he would say to all those who want to join him that look my procedure is you want to join me for hajj all your expenses for hajj whatever you your savings for hajj etc 
you have to bring it and leave it with me, deposit it with me. I said, by all means, they were more than confident in him, and everybody would bring that expenses of Hajj now, long before they left, as the preparations are happening. So each one's that little bag of that money he would bring, obviously there was no notes at that time, it would be all in gold coins, silver coins, so it would be labeled and secured, and then it would be locked up in a chest. And everybody would all come and deposit it, then the time would come to depart, and then from uh, Maru they would go to Baghdad, and en route he would be taking care now of all the needs and all the food and whatever transport, and in Baghdad they would have to spend some time there to get everything sorted out again, and he would take care of all the accommodation and food and whatever needs, and he would lay it out for them. Then they would journey to Madinah Munawara, and then spend the time in Madinah Munawara, and in that time again everything he is taking care of, all the expenses and all their needs and whatever. Then when the time comes to depart from Madinah Sharif, he would ask each one, that perhaps your family told you to bring something along for them, something that they, some tabaruk of Madinah Munawara, somebody would say something, somebody something. He would make the arrangements to have it brought, and passed on to the person, then bring them all to Makkah Mukarramah, and in a similar manner all the time was spent there, with him taking care of all the arrangements, and then again, your family might have told you to bring something for them, some tabaruk of Makkah Sharif, each one would have something, he would make the arrangements to have it brought, and then finally after this, the whole journey back, now this journey is about 5-6 months, and after everybody had returned, then 3 days later, all those who had accompanied him, he would invite everybody, to a meal, and we spent so much of time together, we became so close to each other, so now this friendship and bond, so please come and join me for a meal, so everybody would come along, and after that meal was over and everything was done, then he would call for that chest that all those deposits were all placed in, and he would open it, and everybody's, that bag of money was as is, with that label, and he would return every person's bag to him. This was his Hajj package. Allah knows best if till Qiyamah somebody will match it. This was the caliber of person, this was the kind of generosity he had. It is stated that approximately 100,000 dirhams he would spend on the poor every year. And besides that, numerous other things. On one of the occasions that he went for Hajj, one ajeeb incident happened. Sheikh Rahmatullah has mentioned this in Fazal Hajj and in Fazal Sadaqat it's there as well that on the way they had camped somewhere and now the next morning preparations to move on so all the camels were already laden the goods were already sent off whoever was responsible for that was already now moving they had already left others were now just sorting the things out and moving on and as this was happening there was a servant with him who had one partridge, one bird he was traveling along with it whatever it might have been, his pet or whatever it died it died while they were there. So now when it died now, obviously he had to dispose of it. Now they were ready to leave. So he went just on the side, there was a dump. And he went and threw it on the dump and he came away. But as soon as he threw this bird on the dump, there was a little like a shack in the distance. His eye just caught that this door of the shack, there was a little crack that just opened. And a young, small little girl, she peeped through the crack. But then she realized somebody watching her, she closed the door. Again she did this, she closed the door. So he realized somebody, this girl, whoever she is, she is trying to do something in a way that nobody sees her. So he pretended to be looking the other way. Meanwhile he is observing quietly. And as soon as she realized, or she felt nobody is watching, she quickly darted out of this little shack, 
ran to the dump, picked up this dead bird, and she dashed back into the house. That was shanty one, shack of a sort. So he witnessed this whole thing. He took his servant and went along, knocked on the door. So now the door opened a little. He says, Who are you? He says, Well, just myself and my little sister, we live in this house. Nobody else? Nobody else. He says, But that bird is dead. It's carrion. You can't be eating that. He says, No, it's halal for me to eat that now. Because now we are starving for three days. And now we have to just save our life. So for us to eat this has become halal. But why? What is the condition? Why is this the condition? Well, my parents passed away. The Whatever the inheritance was, was usurped. And we were left to fend for ourselves. And this is our condition. Allah Mubarak hears this. He calls for all the goods to come back. Because that had already left. Send somebody, go and catch up with them, tell them come back. Everything come back. He calls his treasurer, the person who was now responsible for keeping all the finances and whatever else. How much you brought along for our expenses of the journey? He says, 1,000 dinars, 1,000 gold coins. For our understanding and the value of it, if you call it the buying power of it, was probably worth more than our one Krugerrand. So now 1,000 gold coins for our thinking, we just say 1,000 Krugerrands. So okay, now we hear already, we have to, if we leave and go back home now from this point, how much we need to get back? Because we're going to take care of the whole group now, everybody's meals and transport, whatever else, the necessities and expenses, we will need about 40 dinars. Because from how far we've come now, 40 dinars to get back home. So okay, take out 40 dinars. The rest of the 960 dinars, gold coins, give it to her. And Hajj, Hajj cancelled. He cancelled the Hajj and he returned home. Gave the 960 dinars to her. Somebody asked him, you cancelled your Hajj? He says, I found an opportunity today which was more rewarding than Nafil Hajj. Now this is a person who had his priorities in order. Al-Aham, Fal-Aham. What is the most important thing? Sometimes people go for Umrah, go for whatever else. One is Umrah, some are holiday. But at what expense? At the expense of abandonment of elderly parents. One doctor once mentioned, somebody brought one elderly person. Who is this? My father. Please admit him. What's wrong with him? He said, please admit him. What's the problem? He said, oh, he just admit him. And don't worry, whatever the bully is, we'll one check. So now after he persisted, he says, I'll be going somewhere, holiday or whatever. Now we can't take him along. He'll be cared for here. He'll be safe here and cared for. We'll come back and sort it out. So finally he was cared for physically, but he is obviously being abandoned. What that must have done to his heart? How many pieces might have shattered his heart into? Now that, we haven't learned the priority, that where is the reward? Such an Umrah, Allah knows best, if that Umrah was at the expense of abandonment, one is, mashallah, the person is able to take care of the needs, or there's somebody else to make the khidmat, they are not totally dependent on that particular child, it's a different thing. But they are dependent on that child's khidmat. And then they are abandoned for Umrah also. Allah knows best whether that Umrah will bring reward or a person will be taken to task for that Umrah. So this is a lesson that he gave us. Priorities. What are the priorities in life? As far as his generosity is concerned, there are many, many incidents about it. Once one person came to him, somebody had guided him, he needed some help. 
he was in debt and he was now going to face prison imprisonment because the creditor was not prepared to take any no for an answer that I don't have anything so somebody told him when Asadullah so he came to him explained his predicament and he said I need 700 dirhams to sort this debt out so he wrote him a note you go to so and so the treasurer the agent he'll sort it out so this person came to the treasurer the agent he reads the note that please give this person 7000 dirhams so then that person asked him that what's your problem so he explained to him that no I have a debt which now the creditor is demanding and if I don't pay it in time I don't pay it now I'm going to end up in prison so I needed the 700 dirhams to pay it he said okay very well you'll get that 700 dirhams but Abdullah Barak alhamdulillah has written something here he's made a mistake I need to correct this at the same time so in the meantime he sent somebody back with that note that uh, the person has come we'll sort him out but you made a mistake here you can just re-correct this and meaning rewrite it because maybe for the reference or whatever so just correct this note and in the meantime we'll sort him out as well so he had written there on that that I have received a note I have understood his contents but there is a mistake here when this note came back to Azman Barak he replied to it I received your note I have read his contents and understood it and when you receive this note you give this person now 14,000 so now that note came back and this person saw it now he was sincere in whatever he was doing he was looking at the welfare of the person now he is working for so he wrote back to him that look if you are going to carry on like this just dishing out for the person one seven hundred dirhams he is happy with that now you just doubling it and tripling it very soon you will have nothing left all this income will be depleted you have to sell off all the properties also because he was a wealthy businessman at the same time you have to sell off all the what is the source of the income will be gone so what is going to be the good of this then he felt mashallah he is doing some, giving some advice to him Abdullah Mubarak alhamdulillah received this note and he then replied to it that look if you are my agent meaning my treasurer then you do what I am saying and if if you are the person who I am supposed to be answering to you then you come and sit in my place and I will go and sit in your place now this was the time that he needed to say it in this manner he wasn't saying it for pride he was saying it because he wanted this person to also follow what he is saying in this regard and then he said to him that you are saying this income will come to an end but life is also coming to an end if life comes to an end what is the use of this income then so you do as I told you now this was the quality and the caliber of the person once he was passing some place where he used to always stop Raqqa on his way to the border to go and spend his time in jihad so every time he would spend the night in one inn there and then the next morning he would leave quickly so there was one youngster who would always come he knew the personality he would come take some benefit from his knowledge and spend some time in his company so the one time he came this person was nowhere to be seen but he was in a rush because the next morning he had to leave suddenly again to rush out in that the call was there so he went after some time and he was returning he came to spend the night again because this was en route so he inquired that youngster used to always be around where is he? he said no he's sitting in prison why? because he was also in debt and the creditor now demanded payment he didn't have payment so he was imprisoned how much is he in debt for? well okay who's the creditor? so they told him so and so is the creditor he left it then he quietly found out the person and went and visited him how much is that so and so youngster owing you? so owing me 10,000 dirhams he counted out the 10,000 dirhams there and there 
after counting it out, he said, well, you got your money, you go and have him released. And then he said to him, I'm putting you to oath that as long as I am living, you will never speak about this incident to anybody on the face of this earth. Nobody will ever get to know from you who paid this loan. So he was put to oath and he had to accept that. So he came, he get, he made the declaration with the Qazi that I've got my money back, the person can be released, he was released. So as he came and he came back, Allah Mubarakur was there, he met him, Assalamualaikum, where are you? Where were you all this time? He says, I was sitting in prison. What happened? This is what happened. So after that, he says, well, somebody came and paid off the debt. I don't even know who it is. Okay, just make shukar Allah Ta'ala sent somebody and bas, he carried on. Basically, he was just seeing the person as well and he moved on till he learned that youngster never came to know who was the person that released him out of prison. This was the generosity. This was the ikhlas with that generosity. This was that spirit of sincerity in all his amal that brought him to this great uh, position and status. Then, just to wrap up on one, two things, he taught many, many lessons in life, as we just discussed right at the beginning, what beautiful qualities he had, one tremendously great quality which he also possessed among all the other things, was the quality of adab. And this is something which nobody has reached any position and status in anywhere without this adab. He might have had other things, but if he didn't have adab, he didn't come to any kind of position of distinction in deen or even in dunya for that matter. Without adab a person gets nowhere. He might have other things, but he won't get there without adab. Ba adab, ba nasib. Be adab, be nasib. It's a very well known Urdu line. The one without, with adab, he will be very fortunate. He'll get a lot. And be adab, the one who is without adab, without respect, without etiquette, he'll be deprived. He won't make it anywhere. Abdullah and Barakah together with all the other beautiful qualities he had, he had a very high level of adab. One day he was sitting the company of Sufyan bin Uyina rahimahullah, very, very great muhaddis, very great senior scholar of the time. And now in the gathering somebody asked Abdullah Mubarak a question. Because they know this is the fakir of the time. They asked him the question. His response, Nuhina annatakallama inda akabirina. We have been forbidden from speaking in the presence of our akabir. Inda akabirina. He was born in 118 after Hijri. In that zaman already this terminology was being used. It was being used before that already. Sometimes in this day and age, sometimes you use the word akabir, some people they get some kind of shivers and some kind of allergy or whatever some reaction, allergic reaction what is akabir and following akabir and but this was carrying on from that time you know something happened now because this is the Pope as we discussed right at the beginning, this is how it will work those who Allah Ta'ala is blessed with that seniority in being who have been vested with the true knowledge and the amal is the path of the akabir. Now he is sitting there and he is saying we have been forbidden from speaking in the presence of our akabir, meaning he is the senior here. In his presence I will not answer any questions. You ask him. Adab. Now, this is just one incident of many, many incidents. Once he was relating Hadith Sharif to his whole gathering of students, thousands of students sometimes will be there. 
and sometimes maybe lesser number. So he is narrating Hadith Sharif. And he began narrating Haddathana Nu'man ibn Sabitim. And when he said Haddathana Nu'man ibn Sabit, somebody asked him, who are you referring to? So, he said, I'm referring to A'ni Aba Hanifata Mukhal Ilm. Now we're talking about, we already heard all his virtues. We heard about his expertise in all the sciences of deen, in hadith, in fiqh, in everything. Master in the Arabic language. And when the student asked him, who are you referring to, Nu'man bin Sabit? So he said, A'ni Aba Hanifa Mukhal Ilm. I'm referring to Abu Hanifa, who was the essence of knowledge. So, even in that time already, Abdullah Mubarak Rahmatullah was a student of Imam Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah Already in that time, the propaganda against Imam Abu Hanifa was already happening. And some people sitting in that gathering were already affected by that propaganda. So some of them put their pen down, meaning we're not going to write this hadith. Now they know the caliber of Abdullah Mubarak Rahmatullah They hold him in the highest esteem. But now because he started narrating the hadith from Imam Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah they put their pen down. So many, some of them put their pen down. In other words, quietly put their pen down, you're not going to write this hadith. So first he kept quiet. Then he addressed them and said, How disrespectful are you people? And how ignorant are you of who are the people who are worthy of following an emulation? Who is speaking? Abdullah Mubarak Rahmatullah Who is referring to? Imam Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah How ignorant are you of who is truly being worthy of being followed and emulated? And how ignorant are you of who the true people of knowledge are? And then he said, yes, Abu Hanifa kana aliman faqihan taqiyan naqiyan wari'an and he carried on in this manner giving all the titles of Imam Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah We heard the titles of Allah Mubarak Rahmatullah he is giving the titles of Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah He was a faqih and a jurist and he was an alim of a very high repute and he was somebody whose life was untarnished with any kind of wrong. And he was somebody who was wari'an, a person of a very high level of taqwa. And he carried on enumerating and then in order to emphasize what he was saying, he said, I take a qasam for one month, I will not relate any hadith to you all. I want you all to understand who I'm talking about. Go and digest. Because they were very thirsty of the knowledge from him. That one, one month must have been like qiyamah for them. But for, to emphasize the lesson that he was giving them, for one month I will never teach you all one hadith sharif. This was the person that he was. Any case, just to uh, finish off on one incident about his taqwa, we spoke about his taqwa as well. Once he had come to Sham, from Maru, he had come to Sham. And in Sham he had needed to write something, so somebody might have been there, he borrowed the person's pen. And sometimes it happens now, force of habit, after writing maybe he used it half an hour, one hour, whatever, put his pocket by mistake. Then he came back to Maru. When he came to, back to Maru only, he realized that I brought this person's pen by mistake. He went all the way back to Sham. What was the distance? It wasn't the times that we living in, jump in the plane and go, not even a train, not even a car, no motorized transport and no roads that we have. On horseback and through the terrain of that time, the distance is approximately 2,800 kilometers. 
approximately distance of 2,800 kilometers, he traveled to come and return this one pen. And he made a statement on this occasion that to return one dirham that is doubtful to the rightful person, one dirham that is doubtful, to return that to the rightful person is better than giving 600,000 dirhams in sadaqah. Now he was also a businessman, but this was his level of caution in this matter, that even one dirham of doubtful income mustn't come close to me. No cutting corners of any sort. Allah Ta'ala is the provider. So this was the extent to which he exercised this caution. He went all the way back to Sham to return this one pen because it's amanat. So I can't keep this amanat with me, somebody else's amanat. That cost of that pen might be a fraction, maybe 0.00% of the cost of the trip to go and return it. But he went and returned it. This is the type of person he was. But together with all that, his uh, humility was that he would say from time to time, I love the pious people. Unfortunately, I'm not one among them. At the same time, says, I despise the evil of the evil ones. Because you have to despise the wrong. We won't look down upon the person. Because still there's life, there's hope. And we have no idea when somebody's turnaround will come. Abdullah Barak Rahmatullahi, his early life we discussed what it was. But then the turnaround came. Nobody is a write-off. Nobody is a write-off. And we haven't inscribed our name in Jannah already either. We can't think good of ourselves and we can't look down upon anybody. But we'll despise the wrong. We have to despise the wrong. But he says, I despise the wrong of the evil people, but I'm worse than them. I love the pious. Unfortunately, I'm not among them. Those who truly think in that way, most often they are the ones who are beyond them. But, this is not something for us to now think about ourselves that, well, I'll think about myself, I'm not pious, so therefore I made it. We have to think of ourselves as that definitely I'm not pious, but I have a long way to go to get somewhere close to the people of piety. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala grant us a tawfiq that we also take these lessons, we emulate this great legacy that he has left behind. We should also be considering in our own lives the things that we have paused to reflect on. What will somebody speak about us? Not in order to impress anybody else. But, Antum Shuhadaullahi fil Ard, as in one hadith Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, on the occasion of one janaza, there was a very big gathering. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, You make dua for your brother, you are the witnesses of Allah Ta'ala on earth. So, what kind of testimony people will give on the day of Qiyamah? This is the type of thing we have to reflect on. We have to bring these beautiful qualities in our life. Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala grant us a tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير وجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير ربنا لا تؤاخذنا إن نسينا وأخطأنا ربنا ولا تحمل علينا إسرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به واعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا 
انت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين اللهم انا نسالك من خير ما سالك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم انت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد واله واصحابه اجمعين سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله